0: Hello, and you're listening to the podcast, Coffee and Books. I am your host, Scott. On today's episode, we're going to review a more scientific book, Why We Sleep, Unlocking the Power of Dreams and Sleep, by Matthew Walker, Ph.D. So, Matthew Walker, wonderful scientist here, who is the professor of neuroscience and psychology at the UC Berkeley, director of its Sleep and Neuroimaging Lab, and a former professor of psychiatry at Harvard University, He has published more than 100 scientific studies and has appeared on 60 Minutes Programming, NOVA, BBC News, and NPR's Science Friday. Why We Sleep is his first book. On today's episode with Why We Sleep, we need to go over, first, before we go over anything, the 12 most important rules on how to get a good night's sleep. So without any further, let me read those to you. Can I get that? So the book itself is actually 342 pages long, uh, it came out in 2017, and without any further, here is the 12 tips for healthy sleep that is in the appendix. Number one, stick to a sleep schedule. Go to bed and wake up at the same time each day. As a creatures of habit, people have a hard time adjusting to changes in sleep patterns. Sleeping later on the weekends won't fully make up for a lack of sleep during the week and will make it harder to wake up early on Monday morning. Set an alarm for bedtime. Often we set an alarm for when it's time to wake up, but fail to do so for when it's time to go to sleep. If there is only one piece of advice you remember and take from these 12 tips, this should be it. Number two, exercise is great, but don't do it too late in the day. Trying to exercise at least 30 minutes on most days, but not later than two or three hours before your bedtime. Three, Avoid caffeine and nicotine. Coffee, colas, certain teas, and chocolate contain a stimulant caffeine, and its effects can take a long or as long as eight hours to wear off fully. Therefore, a cup of coffee in the late afternoon can make it hard for you to fall asleep at night. Nicotine is also a stimulant, often causing smokers to sleep only very lightly. In addition, smokers often wake up too early in the morning because of nicotine withdrawal. Number four, avoid alcoholic drinks before bed. Having a nightcap or alcoholic beverage before you sleep may help you relax, but heavy but heavy use robs you of REM sleep, keeping you in the lighter stages of sleep. Heavy alcohol ingestion also may contribute to impairment in breathing at night. You also tend to wake up in the middle of the night when the effects of the alcohol have worn off. Number 5. Avoid large meals and beverages late at night. A light snack is okay, but a large meal can cause indigestion, which can interfere with sleep. Drinking too many fluids at night can also cause frequent awakenings and causing you to urinate. Number 6. If possible, avoid medicines that delay or disrupt your sleep. Some some commonly prescribed heart, blood pressure, or asthma medications, as well as some over-the-counter and herbal remedies for coughs, colds, or allergies can disrupt sleep patterns. If you have trouble sleeping, talk to your healthcare provider or pharmacist to see whether any drugs you're taking might be contributing to your insomnia and ask whether they can be taken at other times during the day or early in the evening. Number 7: Don't take naps after 3 p.m. Naps can help make up for lost sleep, but late afternoon naps can make it harder to fall asleep at night. Number 8: Relax before you go to bed. Don't overschedule your day so that there's no time left for unwinding. A relaxing activity such as reading or listening to music should be part of your bedtime ritual. Number nine, take a hot bath before bed. The drop in body temperature after getting out of the bath may help you feel sleepy, and the bath can help you relax and slow down so you're more ready to sleep. Number ten, dark bedroom, cool bedroom, gadget-free bedroom. Get rid of anything in your bedroom that might distract you from sleep, such as noises, bright lights, or an uncomfortable bed or warm temperatures. You sleep better if the temperature in the room is kept on the cool side. A TV, a cell phone, a computer in the bedroom can, distract, can be a distraction and deprive you of a needed sleep. Having a comfortable mattress and pillow can help promote a good night's sleep. Individuals who have insomnia often watch the clock. Turn the clock face out of view so you don't have to worry about the time while you're trying to fall asleep. Number 11. Have the right amount of sunlight exposure. Daylight is key to regulating daily sleep patterns. Try to get outside in natural sunlight for at least 30 minutes each day. If possible, wake up with the sun or use very bright lights in the morning. Sleep experts recommend that if you have problems falling asleep, you should get an hour of exposure to morning sunlight and turn down the lights before bedtime. And lastly, number 12, don't lie in bed awake. If you find yourself still awake after staying in bed for more than 20 minutes, or if you're starting to feel anxious or worried, get up and do something relaxing until you feel sleepy. The anxiety of not being able to sleep can make it harder to fall asleep. Those are the 12 steps that this author has highly recommended to help you fall asleep. But in addition to each chapter, each chapter in this book is actually very fascinating, uh, mainly because each chapter can be read individually on its own. So part one is called The Thing Called Sleep, and each chapter specifically in part one details different types of information specifically about what sleep is. Uh, So chapter one is explaining what sleep is. Chapter two is explaining why caffeine, of course we went over that, what's the deal with jet lag and melatonin and losing and getting control of your sleepy rhythm. Uh, Chapter number three is defining and generating sleep, time dilation and what we learned from a baby in 1952. Chapter four is ape beds, dinosaurs and napping with half a brain. Who sleeps, how do we sleep and how much, and chapter 5 in sleep across the lifespan, sorry, changes in sleep across the lifespan. Okay, so let's talk a little bit about these. So what is sleep? Uh, after all, sleep is something that we as humans all recognize and don't immediately think someone who's sleeping around us is dead. Why is this? How do we know someone is sleeping? Well, there's different ways of noticing. Um, obviously, the biggest one is you can see that the person is still breathing. Uh, But there's also other factors such as rapid eye movement or REM, uh, noticing that the person looks rather relaxed or comfortable in their sleep patterns and behaviors. And that in general that you could tell just based on looking at them that they're pretty much asleep and the human brain has evolved in ways to see this. Okay, so what's the deal with caffeine, jet lag, and melatonin? For scientists for years, they think melatonin is something that can help us sleep. So in particular, when you're going on a plane, scientists have always recommended taking melatonin on a plane so you can fall asleep. But there's also the fact that you're just jolting your circadian rhythm or your sleep pattern into a whole new area, a different part of the earth with a different sunlight schedule and daylight you know, hours and nighttime hours. All of that is very, very very difficult for your body to just randomly adjust to, even with medicine. So it's important that you gradually, over time, if you're experiencing a major trip and you know that the jet lag is going to be pretty severe, you slowly change your circadian rhythm over time and you will adjust way better to it. Uh, so what's the deal with caffeine? Well, as we kind of went over before in the appendix, caffeinated beverages such as Coca-Colas and, of course, everything from uh, you know energy drinks to uh, you know, coffee, you know, it takes a long time for the body to process this and to get rid of it. So this could be one reason why people are staying laid up, or uh, laying, weighing, laying awake late at night. Okay. Eight beds, dinosaurs, napping, and half a brain. Who sleeps, how do we sleep, and how much? Okay, so evolution has taught us over time that we've evolved from different types of animals and organisms over time. You know, Obviously, man has been believed to have come from the Neanderthal and other types of humanoid species. The ape beds are a good example of this. Our closest relative, one could argue, would be looking at the chimpanzees and other relatives of the ape family. As most of you may or may not know, uh, chimpanzees and apes tend to sleep in trees in different environments. But when man was evolving, at some point, man decided it would be better to sleep on the ground. Now, most of the time, animals sleep in trees to avoid predators, and there's different reasonings for this. But it's definitely just that man has evolved over time, and there was a scientific reasoning for this that we're still trying to understand and learn to this day. But it's believed that, and and at least if I remember correctly, it is believed that humans as a group decided to spend more time on the ground so that they could hunt and gather and decided that it'd be better to take the time to work as a team, as a unit better, to protect each other for those who were sleeping and those who were awake, you know, from predators. Okay, so what do dinosaurs and napping with half a brain have to do with anything? Well, we think that this is how it started. You know, other creatures, they only need half a brain to sleep, and they could still be awake and aware of predators. But man was not. and Man had to learn... You know, the best way to sleep and how to best protect themselves. Uh, Changes in sleep across lifespan. That chapter particularly covers how from a young child to an adolescent to a young adult and eventually to a middle-aged adult and eventually a senior citizen, how the sleep patterns change over time. Uh, So obviously the younger you are, the more sleep you're going to need, which is why our school systems are not adequately built to deal with sleeping patterns and behaviors. Uh, But more on that later. Part 2, Why You Should Sleep. Chapter 6 is Your Mother and Shakespeare Knew the Benefits of Sleep for the Brain. Chapter 7 is the Extreme for the Guinness Book of World Records, Sleep deprivation in the Brain. And Chapter 8, Heart Attacks and a Shorter Life, Sleep deprivation in the Body. Alright, so Chapter 6 is going to cover the benefits of sleep for the brain, which there are numerous. Uh, Besides the fact that it's the ultimate drug, it's something that helps you fight... Um, you know, disease, it helps you build a better immune system, it helps you fight um, depression and anxiety. Uh, Sleep is pretty much the cure-all. You know, it's always been said that if you had a broken heart, the cure was always gaining more sleep and rest. Or, you know, if you had a problem, you should sleep on it. All those common expressions and sayings are very true. The more rest you have, the better you are equipped in your body to deal with this type of work but just there is also scientific and intelligence uh, learning we're also uh, just starting to comprehend now. Uh, The the brain, and and specifically the study of the brain and neuroscience and sleep, has only just recently started to leap leaps and bounds forward from a basic understanding that we used to have. And now we're all of a sudden beginning to realize, hey, we have this idea, we're learning about it, and we're going to eventually get to the bottom of it. And that's what happens we're actually learning that there's intelligence that's gained from more sleep. People who sleep more are likely to be more intelligent. People who sleep more are less likely to suffer from you know, mental health disorders. People who sleep regularly and consistently often rate as happier, and they also study better for exams. And in general, the late-night cramming that you see many students do is pretty much not healthy, and it's negating any study effects you might have even had or considered. Okay, and lastly, Chapter 8 here talks about, like I said, the health benefits to sleeping and how it can fight cancer, how it can fight heart attacks, how it can fight, you know, living a shorter life, and why sleep deprivation is so, 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 uh, such an important factor in our society today, costing us billions of dollars. Part 3, How and Why We Dream. Chapter 9 is Routinely Psychotic, REM Sleep Dreaming. Chapter ten is dreaming and overnight therapy. Uh, chapter eleven is dream creativity and dream control. And let's see here. That is the end of part three. So, part three: how and why we dream. So, what is REM sleep? Well, REM sleep stands for rapid eye movement. As the point in your sleep when you and your brain is actually in its most relaxed state. And that is the part when you begin to think about things in your daily life and day. That is the point when when you remember your dreams, that's actual REM sleep. Okay, so if someone is routinely deprived of this REM sleep, it can actually lead to many health problems, as we kind of said earlier. Uh, Chapter 10, Dreaming is Overnight Therapy. Uh, Lots of human inspiration over the years has come from dreaming. So... Even though dreaming is not necessarily always 100% accurate, the idea of dreaming and dreaming about your ideas and creativity can help you be more productive. Um, Which leads me into the next chapter, Dream Creativity and Dream Control. So, if you're a scientist, an artist, or anyone who is working creating art or anything that's important that you need to work on, sleep generally helps the brain connect things that don't normally seem connected. And that's the wonderful benefit to sleep. Sleep is the thing that can help you if you're, you know, like just napping under a tree and then an apple hits you on the forehead. Next thing you know, you can explain gravity. Stuff like that has all caused or indirectly caused by sleep. All right, part four from sleeping pills to society transformed. Chapter 12 things that go bump in the night, sleep disorders, and death caused by no sleep. Chapter 13 iPads, factory whistles, and nightcaps. What's stopping you from sleeping? Chapter 14, Hurting and Helping Your Sleep Pills versus Therapy. Chapter 15, Sleep in Society. What medicine and education are doing wrong, and what Google and NASA are doing right. And lastly, Chapter 16, A New Vision for Sleep in the 21st Century. Alright, so I'm almost done with my ramblings, so bear with me here. Uh, so, Chapter 12, Things That Go Bump in the Night. Sleep disorders and death caused by no sleep. Uh, so, as we've kind of gone over, there are such things as sleep disorders, uh, but a lot of the time there are other contributing factors. Medication, um, drugs, alcohol, uh, you know, caffeine, things like this is what partially might be contributing to sleep disorders. But as I said, the lack of sleep is actually what can be an underlying cause of mental disorders. Sleep disorders, things like sleep apnea and insomnia and other underlying sleep problems are all causes of alarm as well, that something may not be all quite right in the body and that you need to go get checked out. So there is actually parts of the brain that are affected by lack of sleep, as I said earlier. A good example or indication of sleep problems could actually lead to studies that show an increase in Alzheimer's. Now, this goes into the next chapter, but I will say that one of the reasons why we're seeing an increase in the amount of Alzheimer's and dementia-related diseases is because we are not getting nearly as much sleep as we were meant to in our society. We're not getting that full eight hours of sleep anymore. And this is partly because we're distracted, we're also you know, having to work longer hours, and all of that is basically affecting the body. And this is why you might see an increase in Alzheimer's and dementia. Now, there's actually cases of people who... Have been trying to keep themselves up awake at night. Guinness World Records. Guinness has actually stopped trying to record people from, you know, trying to stay up too late just because it's so dangerous and considered torture. So keep that in mind next time you try to pull an all-nighter. Maybe you shouldn't be doing that or staying up for long, long periods of time with very little rest. Uh, So, chapter 13, as I previously mentioned: factory whistles, iPads, and nightcaps. What's stopping you from sleeping? As we said before, quite simply, it could just be the matter of the fact that you're surrounded by distractions. Television, it might be the radio, it might be the alarm clock blinking in your face. It might be any number of things. Work-related stress, uh, stress caused by personal relationships. It could be mental, it could be physical. There could be a number of things that make you stay up, late at night. Um, And some people think they need assistance to fall asleep. Or I need assistance to stay awake. And those things are wrong. Uh, I'm not saying that people should just automatically go to sleeping pills. But if you are concerned, you need to go talk to your doctor. And your doctor will help you work out what's best for you. But what's very disturbing is that sleeping pills, why, yes, they make you fall asleep faster, but they don't make you get that same dream. In fact, you're still not getting what you really need. Yes, your body is laying down on a bed, and yes, you're not conscious for that same amount of time period as you would feel like for sleep, but sleeping pills are still not getting you that same REM sleep, and N-E-R-E-M sleep. Okay, so, uh, da, da, da. hurting and helping you sleep, pills versus therapy. So, there's a recent belief that in numerous behavioral cognitive therapies are helping people learn how to relax, de-stress, and how to relax themselves in order to fall asleep. So you don't need to just quickly turn to medication. Like I said, talk to your doctor. See if there is something that can help you if you are concerned about falling asleep. In Chapter 15, we talk about NASA, Google, and what they're doing right, and what we in medicine and education are doing wrong. As most of you probably already know, we're very over-prescribed pill type world where medicine is the answer for everything. Again, I ask you to go check and talk to your doctor first before you start changing or doing anything, but it's very important that you understand that medicine and education are always seen as the answers. So what has education gotten wrong about sleep? Well, as previously mentioned, Students and younger adolescents need more sleep, but we are starting them earlier and earlier to go to school, especially here in the United States. Where you might live, the sleeping schedule might be different, but here in the United States, students regularly have to get up about 5.30 to 6 a.m. in order to make the bus to get to work on time. And people who live in poorer communities or often who are underprivileged have to wake up even earlier, just so they can have the same benefits as everyone else. And this is causing students to be unhealthy, to gain weight, to have cardiovascular problems, develop sleeping disorders, you name it, all of society's problems pretty much stem from lack of sleep. And uh, that's why sleep is so important. Now, what is NASA and Google doing, right? Well, places like NASA, you know, track astronauts in their sleep. Now, why do you think that matters? Well, it does. See, astronauts circle the Earth and don't have regular daylight hours, and nighttime hours, like we do. So there's a lot of studies that were put into studying why NASA does this. Why are we studying how we sleep? Well, because there's a benefit to it. Um, And then, of course, the New Vision for Sleep in the 21st Century, the author talks about what he would like to see change in our society, particularly amongst the workforce, and about how we, as a society, as, whole, as a whole, can develop and be better, and his great vision is that there are early morning risers and that there are late afternoon risers, and those people who are, you know, quick to rise can go to work at the time they get there, and the people who sleep in, they should be able to clock in whenever they would like, and at the end of the day, those shifting hours, you know, that makes it better for society. If you go to places like, you know, in Italy or Greece and you see that there's an afternoon nap time period that's actually considered way healthier and helps people sleep and be more relaxed. So, overall, what I learned from this book summed up in those 12 points. And lastly, I just want to say that it did help me realize the importance of getting a good night's sleep. And now I will definitely be sure not to pull any more all-nighters or staying up late for no apparent reason unless i particularly need to all right hope all of you enjoyed this uh podcast today our next book we're almost done with it it's called uh the camino winds it's by john grisham so yay for john grisham novel um still got a little bit of time left on that but anyway i just wanted to thank you all for listening and sharing my podcast and thank you again for all that you do Uh, I hope all of you are enjoying your time and listening to this podcast. And like I said, please share it with a friend. And if you do want to contact me, you can email me at Scott, S-C-O-T-T, Bernstein, B-E-R-N-S-T-E-I-N, 16, at yahoo.com. Thank you. Have a great day.